Did you know that nearly 9 out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. It's super important to have representation, but also to go through the whole process. I moved down to Florida from New York. The laws were so much different here than in New York. Even though I'm a broker, the laws are completely different. So I'd go looking for a real estate attorney just to represent me because that's what we do in New York is we use a real estate broker, but then we also use attorneys. Well, down here, nobody uses attorneys. There's not a lot of them who do this kind of work. It was really hard to find. Just those two things, for as experienced as I am, I've bought hundreds of houses, bought and sold them, income properties, investment properties. And I, I still wanted representation. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, secrets to success, and lessons they've learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business, growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt. I am the Senior Director of Data and Content for Housing Wire. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dawn Pfaff. She is the president of My State MLS. So welcome, Dawn. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. What a great introduction. It's good to be here. Thanks. I want to start by just having you describe My State MLS and um, what makes it different from other MLSs in the space. My State MLS, we're a nationwide MLS. You can list anywhere you're licensed. Uh, just because we're nationwide doesn't mean we have everyone as a member or that we have all the listings. Instead, it means that no matter where you're licensed, you can list property. We do have some tools to help you do nationwide searching and that kind of thing. What makes us really different is that we're not affiliated with any realtor board. We're um, privately owned and we do have rules, but we don't have the same rules that the NAR MLSs have. We don't have clear cooperation. We don't have any fines. You don't have to put a, a compensation amount, but you do have to follow state law. And we do want you to honor the commitment you made to your client. So if your listing contract, in your listing contract, you promised your client you would do X, Y, and Z, then that's what you have to do. That's our rule. That's it. It's just so simple. It's like when they call and they say, what's your rule? I said, well, what'd you promise your client you would do? Do that and you're following our rules. And how did you, you know, where was this born out of? What kind of, where did the idea come from? Um, in New York, uh, upstate New York, I was a real estate broker, an appraiser, an investor. I owned a mobile home park. Um, and I was extremely frustrated with the system the way it was. I've got stupid fines that were re actually ridiculous. I, I couldn't even figure out why, what some of these fines were. Um, I couldn't list my mobile homes for some reason, even though valid places for people to live. And I was renting the land. I could, I could put a rental in, but I couldn't do that. 
So I started my own multiple listing service also because there wasn't a statewide one. And I was a member of like 10 different ones and it was so expensive. So I said, this is crazy. You know, I mean, if you're from anywhere from New York City to Albany, there was 10 MLSs. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do business like that. So I started New York State MLS back in 2009 and I did a road show. I basically got on the road and I went door to door, broker to broker, and I got brokers signing up and they were like, yeah, we need this. We need this to expand. We want this. And then I found out that in Manhattan, there really wasn't a multiple listing service. Everyone said, oh, there's no MLS in New York. Well, New York State MLS, a lot of New Yorkers do use that as their MLS now for the same reason is if you're in uh, Brooklyn and you want to list a house in Westchester or, you, you know, or somewhere upstate, you'd have to join another multiple listing service. And then every single person in your office would also have to join or you couldn't join or your broker would have to do jump through some hoops and start an office, uh, open up a, an office just for you to be able to list in that multiple listing service. And there's a whole bunch of games you have to play. And I'm just not interested in any of that. I just, I just want to sell my houses. So what, what we did was we started a statewide MLS and no one would sell us software because they didn't want to make their clients angry. So they, we made our own software. I, I used to work for a tech startup company, so I knew how to do that. And so right now we own and operate our own software. And then um, we went nationwide with this in the middle of the housing recession. So many people from other states would call and say, hey, we want to market our properties to New Yorkers. And I was like, oh, we don't take out of state property and property listings. And then finally I was like, you know what? I should take some out of state property listings. And we went nationwide. And that was, uh, I think, 2015, 2016 timeframe. So are you in all 50 states right now? We have members in all 50 states. I saw one in Guam. We have members in Guam and Puerto Rico and the, the Virgin Islands too. Like if you're in America, you can list in our MLS and the broker can participate. We actually let brokers participate for free if their agent wants to join, but they don't want the whole office to join and the broker really doesn't want an account, but they have a listing agent who really wants to join. Let the, we let that broker participate for free. Okay, great. Um, you know, there's obviously a ton of chatter around the commission lawsuits right now. And no matter what the outcome, things are definitely changing quickly. And I want to know what concerns you're hearing from agents out in the field right now. There's a lot of apprehension. They're worried about buyer broker compensation. Um, and they're worried that they that buyers won't pay a buyer broker compensation. Um, I think they're wrong about that. I do think buyers will pay a buyer broker compensation because when you think about how hard a process it is to go through buying a home and just, just think about the whole amount of work that you do. And it's such a scary thing. Like somebody with no experience whatsoever is going to walk in and buy the most expensive purchase of their life and put down all of their life savings without anyone to help them, I just don't see it. I do think they would be willing to pay for it. They may not be willing to pay what they get now. Um, that might happen. But to counter this, like what we did in my state MLS was we came out with a buyer broker form on a per property basis instead of a timing basis. So if you know what I mean, like if, 
if you're a buyer broker, um, usually you have somebody sign a buyer broker agreement that locks a, a buyer in with you for like six months. And that's ideal. But if somebody won't sign that, but they still want to see a house and you still want to show them that house, then we came out with a form that lets you do it on a per house basis or even a per tour basis. Like, so if you're showing them five houses in a day and that just guarantee that you get compensated on the work you've done. So that's, that's how we countered it. Okay. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I was listening to um, something the other day and the mortgage executives were talking about how, well, you know, only first time buyers really need buyer representation or buyer agent representation. And um, I was really surprised with that because, um, you know, there are, there are a lot of uh, things that go into it. It's not just finding a home. Sure. You can go on Zillow or realtor.com or homes.com and find a house you want to look at, but where you go from there is a lot more complicated. Um, you and I talked. So tell me a, a little bit about why, you, you know, you were talking about even yourself doing investment properties, um, still wanting representation. So tell me a little bit about that and why you think that is um, kind of a, a misnomer, really, that uh, they don't need. Okay. It's super important to have representation, but also to go through the whole process. I moved down to Florida from New York. And when I did, the laws were so much different here than in New York. Even though I'm a broker for over 20 years, I've been a real a realtor, you know, I could not have navigated the purchase here. I wasn't a I'm a broker in Florida now, but I wasn't a broker then. The laws are completely different. So I'd go looking for an attorney, a real estate attorney, just to represent me, um, because that's what we do in New York is we use a real estate broker, but then we also use attorneys. Well, down here, nobody uses attorneys. So they don't, there's not a lot of them who do this kind of work. It was really hard to find. And just those two things, for as experienced as I am, I've bought hundreds of houses, bought and sold them, income properties, investment properties. And I, I still wanted representation I still wanted somebody who really knew the area. I still wanted somebody who knew how to fill out the forms and someone to really rely on who helped me hire the inspector, who helped me negotiate the repairs after the inspection came back with repairs needed. And there's so many things, how many, how to apply for the HOA, um, how to get insurance. There's a, there was an absolute ton of stuff that my buyer agent did for me. And honestly, for as much experience as I have, um, not knowing the laws and the processes here, I saw how much there was involved. There's an absolute ton involved, especially when in a non-attorney state, like Florida is not an attorney state where the agent got me my title company, um, got the money into escrow. It, it, it is a lot. And I think that people will be willing to pay for it or they will be stuck with not knowing what or how to do it because I'm an experienced person. So what does an inexperienced person do? How do they get into every house? How do they make these appointments? And then the listing agents have to be very careful. Um, they don't want to let people in unless they've been completely vetted because they don't want to get you know, just in case that person's a scam artist or going to rob them or something, you just want to make sure that you're being safe. 
um, with whoever you show show a home to, um, you know, because there's robberies out there and all kinds of stuff that can happen. So I think buyer brokers, I think it's too important. I really don't think it's going to go away. Maybe maybe more people will go to the listing agent and let the listing agent do everything for them. Um, but I just don't think that's going to happen on a regular basis because the average buyer looks at 20 houses, 30 houses. They try to look at everything in the market. That listing agent is only going to be the listing agent on the one house they go see. They're going to be a buyer's agent on all the other houses. So that buyer's agency is just not going away. I just don't think it will. And as part of state law, cooperation in New York, uh, well, New York, Florida, it's mandatory to cooperate with buyer's agents, not compensate, but at least to cooperate. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. I think a big a big part of this for real estate brokers is just education for their agents on really, um, you know, expressing their value, especially for buyer agents and letting letting people know exactly what they're doing, that they're not just finding the house, you know, that there's a lot more to it. And, and I think with an infrequent transaction such as this, that people forget they forget what's involved. And when it comes next time and they think, oh, I'm just going to go to the listing agent. Um, there's a lot more to it than just going to the listing agent. Yeah. It's, it's, there's Because you have to put down such a large earnest money deposit. And for most people, it's their entire life savings. It's everything they've ever saved up. Do you really want to not have somebody on your side? You're handing yeah. over a $15,000, $20,000, $30,000 check which you might be in, in violation or, or lose if you do something wrong, if you miss a step or if you um, go longer than, than a time frame in a contract. Yeah. Now your earnest money's on the line and you could lose everything. I just, that's why I think buyer's agents are just too important. I don't think they're going away. I just don't think they will. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. Um... I, I want to get to data because we talked a little bit about like some of the data ownership and you would talk to me a little bit about the maybe uh, mistakes agents make or maybe not necessarily mistakes, but where they need education as far as the ownership of their data. So talk to me a little bit about that because I know you're passionate about that subject. Very passionate about that subject. We have particular rules in my state MLS, and we own some other technology products as well. Um, we own a, a, a multiple listing service in the Hamptons um, and New York State MLS. And so our technology is technology. We never take the copyright of that data because we don't feel it belongs to us. So we don't like to take things that don't belong to us. That's the first thing. And that copyright and that data is that broker's sole inventory. It is their main Thing that they have. And I don't think a lot of them realize this or remember that they did it, but when they signed up for their MLS, a lot of these MLSs started coming up with this thing where they made you tick a box that said, you give us the copyright of your data. And you could untick the box and not give them the copyright, but then they'd scare you and say, oh, but if you don't give us the copyright, we can't protect your data. So now the MLS owns your data and they can sell it. Or even worse, if they have to dissolve because of these lawsuits, a judge is going to order their assets to be sold at public auction. And who's going to stand there and buy it? The people with the most money. We all know in this industry who's got the most money. And it's not the MLSs, it's not the brokers, it's not NAR. 
you know, it's the third party sites. And I just think that right now brokers should go to their MLS and say, who owns my data? And if you don't own it, take your copyright back, rescind that copyright. I really think people need to do this. It's very important. Um, inside my state MLS, we protect your data as much as we can protect it, but it's being sent to hundreds of sites. Okay. It's, you need it to go to hundreds of sites because you want to market the property and you want to get it sold, but you want to keep ownership of that data because you don't want someone else to be able to sell it and make money off of it. That's not right. So in order for you to, to do that, um, we are actually recommending um, that you put your listing data somewhere where you're going to be able to get to keep the copyright of it. And that usually means that you put it in the technology first before you put it anywhere else. We have a product where we let brokers do that. Um, it's called a broker listing system. And our broker listing system is branded for each broker. And then the broker can put their listings in it and they can actually say, oh, that's mine. And then when they put it in the MLS, they can give the MLS a worldwide license to distribute rather than the MLS taking their copyright and giving them back a license to distribute. They paid for the photos. They went out and got all the work. They wrote all the marketing descriptions. They Everything in that listing, uh, videos, virtual tours, Matterports, all of that stuff costs that broker time and money, and it is their signature marketing pieces. Could you imagine giving up the copyright? You write a book, and you're just going to give it to Amazon, the copyright, because they're going to sell the book for you? You're not going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. So it's very important. I think everyone needs to get in front of the ownership of their data and, and get it back. And also, wait, I want to tell you one more thing. A lot of these photographers, when you hire a photographer to go take pictures, make sure that, that you get a photographer that's going to give you the copyright of the photos that you pay for. Make sure they're a work for hire photographer because some of these photographers, they keep the copyright and say, oh, but that's my intellectual property. If they say that, get somebody else because you're paying for those photos and you want to own them as well because we've actually seen photographers come after brokers and go, we said you could use it while you were marketing the property, but now you can't use it because the property sold and you're not marketing it anymore. What do you mean I can't use it? I paid you a whole bunch of money and you would have never taken those photos if it wasn't for me. And then I staged the home and I did everything. All you did was light it and take the photo. Not, don't, not to minimize their art, but there are photographers that will give you the copyright and there are photographers that will keep it. Just find one that will give it to you. That's what I'm saying about it. Yeah. And I just want to stress that I don't believe the MLSs have nefarious reasons for, you know, owning the copyright of the data. I, I think know. it's just um, a matter of being educated and knowing what, what that means for your brokerage and understanding whether you want to do it or not. Maybe you do want to do it. Yeah. They had good intentions. Okay. Their intentions were, we were going to take the, the copyright of your data so that we could hire lawyers to protect that copyright for you. And we couldn't do that unless we had it. But you know what the road to hell is paved with? It's paved with good intentions. They did not have bad intentions. They did not have bad, the brokers run and own the MLSs. They're the ones who made this decision. Um, but what they don't understand is because 
the, the MLS now owns that copyright, if those MLSs have to dissolve for some reason, those, M, those compilations of data are going to be sold at public auction. Now, we saw this in upstate New York. This happened. There were two boards. They owned an MLS. They got in a dispute. A judge came along. Um, they went to the judge. After the whole dispute was over, the judge ordered the MLS dissolved and the database to be sold at public auction. I know it for a fact that it happened. That's what happens when you get in a dispute. If the judge orders it dissolved, anyone can bid on it and not, it's going to go to the highest bidder. So right now, whereas before it sounded like, well, who cares? You know, I don't care if they have my copyright. It's no big deal. Okay. The, the situation has changed a little bit. So let's take a look at what you have and do something different. Yeah. And, and how realistic do you think it is that the MLSs will disassociate with NIR, the ones that are associated with them, or dissolve um, in this atmosphere? I think dissolve is more likely than disassociate. I think the, I think the MLSs are going to try to disassociate. But if you think about it, most of these big MLSs, they're owned by multiple realtor boards. And these multiple realtor boards have maybe eight, to 10 realtors sitting on each one. So if you've got 20 boards, some of these big MLSs have 20 boards. And if they've got, let's say 10 people, 10 people have to make a decision. Now you've got to get 200 people to agree that we're going to either disassociate or we're going to dissolve or we're going to form a new corporation or we're going to join another thing. They're not all going to agree because they all have different points of view. And so it's going to be very tough to get agreement. A lot of them are going to want to um, stick with NAR. So it's just going to depend on what happens to NAR. But I just think that it's going to be very difficult for them to disassociate. They think, well, we're just going to sell one share. I've heard, I've heard them say, well, we're just going to sell one share to somebody else and that'll disassociate us with NAR. You, you're majority owned by your not-for-profit realtor board. You know, there's rules that not-for-profits have you know, as shareholders, what they can and can't do. Even though the MLSs are for-profit, they're owned by not-for-profit boards. And it's very complicated. Um, so I think it it's not going to be very likely at all that they disassociate. Or if they want to, I think it's going to be difficult. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, dissolving is a little bit unrealistic as well. I mean, MLSs offer a, a real value um, to consumers and to real estate agents and, and brokers. So um, it may be just changing practices or, um, you know, doing something differently. Um, and that kind of positions you in the market um, as well. You said you've had some agents or brokers calling you. Um, why do you feel like you're positioned so well in the market, given the lawsuits right now? Um, we're the only one of our kind. We own our software. We are owned by me, basically. And, um, you know, we're very small ownership, although I'm not the only owner. We're very small ownership. But we make rules that make our members money. So that's really important to us is that our members are protected. Our members make money and we, we don't want to exclude anyone. We want to treat everybody the same. Um, so that's what we do. Those are kind of our, our philosophy. 
that we have. But what also positions us is that we're the only one of our kind. We're nationwide. We let you list wherever you're licensed. And our software is set up to let people join through this through the software. We use AI to um, to determine um, who is and who isn't um, how how we, how they sign up. Let's put it that way. We use some AI that we have built into our software, and then we have real people um, on the other side also looking at it. So we we have two kinds of verification methods, um, and then. We allow all property types, which is really important. A lot of MLSs don't allow all property types. So um, that's why I think that we're really positioned that way. Plus, we're really inexpensive. And we're willing to share revenue with brokers. A lot of brokers um, can come to us and they can get uh, wholesale pricing from us and discounted office pricing. They can either pass that along um, or we can share revenue back with them because we have an affiliate program that will pay them to have people, you know, help us grow. Okay. Um, I want to switch gears and talk about your entrepreneurial moments. So you, um, you know, obviously every entrepreneur has an aha moment where they pivoted or came up with something or changed something. Um, And a lot of them have multiple ones, but what is the most impactful one for you? Oh God, I have so many. Um, when we went nationwide from New York, uh, when when that like tenth person called in a day from Florida and said, "I want to put my listings in New York State MLS because I can't sell it and no one's going to buy it and I need to show it to more people," and mm-hmm. and that aha moment went, "Why don't I?" <laughs> well, let's do that. And then it was just going to be Florida at first, and then I was talking to my program. I was like, "All right, set it up for Florida." They go, "You know, then." And George is going to call now. Let's just do it 50 states. And that was one thing that was huge. Um, th- that was huge for us to, to go from just being in New York to um, that. And uh, one other was to create this other system that we have that allows, that's just a technology uh, portion of it for brokers that allows them to have a technology vault of their listings that isn't part of our MLS is it's its very own standalone technology vault system that we have. Okay. Um, any leadership lessons that you've learned over the years? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so many, I learned a lot about how, how this business works and why it works the way it does from, from start to finish. The, the amount that I have learned from my members has been huge. And I have to say that I love these people. I mean, I want to help them. I want them to succeed. And a lot of them, especially our our original members, have been extremely loyal to us. And because of that, I want want them to be successful. Um, So that's my biggest thing, is to make sure that my members are successful, that real estate agents are successful. So I do a lot of free education and teach them how to make money. And and I don't care if they're not members, they can go, you know, learn it for free. I I don't care. I just want them to succeed. I want people to succeed. That's great. Um, Any last thoughts as we end the podcast? Well, I want to thank you. I know you've been, you've been out there educating us all for a while. I've been, I've been reading 
I've been reading your publications and I've been watching your podcasts and I've, I've seen you before and you're out there and you're helping us. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Thanks, Dawn. Um, well, and thank you for joining the Real Trending Podcast and sharing all of your knowledge with us and my state MLS. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.